Hello, and welcome to episode 121 of the Disney Park Princess podcast. I'm your co-host, Sarah. I'm Sharla. And I'm Heather. And this week, we are going to be talking about one of our, well, I always say this, it's one of our favorite topics, but really, we only talk about stuff we like to talk about. It's very (laughs) rare that we, you know, would even do a podcast on something we didn't really like, but cruising. You know how we love a Disney cruise. And in this case, this topic was actually suggested by one of our listeners. Angela had written in with a suggestion and sort of questions about a trip that she's trying to plan for her family. And we started talking about it. We were like, yeah, that's that's a whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Angela, thanks to you, now it is a whole podcast. So uh, <laughs> we will get to that just a little bit later. But first up, we have some Disney news because, as is always the case, and this was probably like our fault. It's not that we didn't know they were doing the earnings call last week. It's just that we always record our podcast at the same time every single week. And it happened to be at the same, pretty much the same time as the Disney earnings call last week. So this one we did to ourselves. (laughs) I I have no regrets. No, no, no no regrets. Um, So who wants to talk about Ratatouille? I I don't because I'm so sad. (laughs) Okay. So the news is Ratatouille is going to open October 1st. Um, to celebrate Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary, and that's that's good. I'm glad we have a date, but I thought it was so much further along than that, and I thought that's it was going to be year. maybe be open before my trip because I, I thought it was ready. So, well, yeah. I think that it probably is further along. They just are trying to spread out the crowds. Like we've all seen the spring break crowds this week, yep. and how how busy they are, and knowing that you know, so many people are going to want to go for that. They're they're trying to hopefully push it out a little bit further when they maybe can increase capacity and most people are vaccinated and things are relatively back to normal. Yeah, I know. It's just, it, I'm, I'm glad that they have a date and I'm glad for those people who are going for the anniversary. I'm just, I'm just sad yeah. for me. <laughs> I, know. I, wanted, I mean, it's, I a full, it's a full year later than it was supposed to open. Yeah. Like it was supposed to open fall 2020. <laughs> so yeah. I'm surprised they pushed it out that far. You know, can we at least thank the Disney gods or whoever that it didn't get scrapped like a lot of the other projects they were working on? Well, I mean, it was basically, I mean, it's done. Like, it's been done for quite a while now. Yeah. So, yeah. But yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, And this was, I mean, this was kind of, I don't want to say easy because no, I don't think any feat of Imagineering is easy, but it's a ride that already exists. And since it already exists, they could just copy it and put it yeah, in. Yeah, they didn't start from scratch with this one. Exactly. So yeah. I think that that's another reason that made it a little bit easier for them to continue with it versus mm-hmm. cancel it like they had to do with some of the others. So I agreed. I'm I'm can just, we, can we talk about trip, you know? what I'm really excited about is not so much the ride, it's more the crepery that's coming with yes. Like <laughs> I already got to ride the ride. I love it. It's fantastic. I'm going to enjoy it when it's in Epcot, but I didn't get to go to a crepery at Disneyland Paris, so I'm more excited about that. And what I love, um, and I know that they've kind of mentioned it before, but it, it bears repeating that it's going to be quick service where you can walk up and kind of get yourself a street yeah. crepe like you can in Paris, but it's also going to be a sit-down restaurant, which I love. Yeah. I, I love the street crepes we had in Paris. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was looking at the picture the other day That's and was like, so oh, you good. know what? I kind of want to go back and get that. <laughs> but the, the problem is we don't know exactly where that was. It was just on the street, and it was just it was some like guy. A, yeah, we, literally, we just passed it. We were like, this one looks good. <laughs> but the guy that, that made the crepes was part part of the whole experience. So that was good. But man, he had a whole stand-up routine. 
Yeah, he did. <laughs> I had a whole, I had a street crepe experience when we were in Japan too. Um, it was, those are some of the best foods, just on the street food. Street food. I'm, ugh, I'm a huge yeah. street food fan. Yeah. So, yes. Oh, well, I agree with you, Heather. I, yes, I've, we've, we've all gotten to ride Ratatouille. So, and we love it and we're excited to do it. But yeah, I'm, I'm more excited about new stuff, like bring yeah. me the new stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of the new stuff, like Tron and all that stuff, has really been pushed off well into 2022 from the sound. Hold, of it, hold so. up. Tron is not new. Tron is also a That's true. You're right. Yeah, you're right. But it's Disney new to me. I've never written it before. New things. Disney doesn't really create new things anymore. They kind of yeah, just move them true. around from park to park. So Tron is not new, but it is new to the U.S. And I'm very excited for that one because I did get to ride it. Um, and what I'm excited for in Florida is that they're making it longer, which is kind of the only complaint I had about the one in Shanghai. So I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I always forget. Yeah. Um, and then like Mary Poppins, I don't know if Mary Poppins has been pushed or just been scrapped. But I think it's I been know. scrapped. I feel I like we scrapped. haven't heard anything I about it. Scrapped. Yeah. I'm bummed well, about that one. I also don't think that any project with Disney has ever, will ever be scrapped completely because I think. Yeah. It's just like in a them, drawer somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of restaurants that are, or at least like the Space 220 restaurant is, should be open and it's there and ready, but. It's not open. That to me, so. Space 220 to me is like one of the craziest Disney stories yeah. ever. Like that was supposed to, that was supposed to have opened months before the pandemic ever happened. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, like there is, that that is just a whole, cra- like someday I hope somebody does a podcast or like a documentary of like the story behind Space 220. <laughs> like what yeah. really went down? Because <laughs> you know, there is some stuff that went down. <laughs> yeah. that, that's good. That could be a whole, one of their Disney plus. Uh, there you go. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, and then the other Disney news that we had is um, also on the earnings call. Um, I don't uh, Maybe it was the earnings call. Maybe it was a different call, but um, you know, Bob Chapek basically sort of, uh, it was an investor's call um, said that they are, hopeful the Disney Cruise Line might be able to begin sailing in some capacity this fall. So skipping right over summer. (laughs) Um, Now, again, there's a difference between an investor's call where they're trying to set appropriate expectations financially and a call that they might make, you know, with fans where they try to be a little more hopeful. So they're always going to be, I think, a little more reserved um, and conservative and an investor's call because they don't want to overpromise and underdeliver, and then that impacts them financially. So it's certainly disappointing to hear it. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that there's no chance of any sailings this summer. Um, so if you're hearing this and you have a cruise booked for this summer, I wouldn't abandon all hope at this point. I wouldn't be super hopeful. <laughs> right. But I wouldn't give up. <laughs> you know, there's still a chance. Yeah, and- you know, there's all sorts. I don't want to get into all the debates and stuff of everything that could that could potentially impact cruising and all of that. But basically, we don't know anything until the cruise line says this month is canceled or this particular sailing is canceled. Yep. We can speculate all day yep. long, but we're until not it's official, that. it means nothing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So he, you know, he said that, and that still doesn't mean it's official. Yep. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And that, yeah, that's sort of my point is he has said that because from a business standpoint, he's trying to protect himself, but right. it, 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 that's not the same thing as Disney Cruise Line officially canceling sailings. Right, so. exactly. Don't exactly. panic. Don't yeah. panic. Uh, all right. Well, that does it for Disney news this week. Coming up next, we are going to be talking about 
why we think a Disney cruise is basically the perfect multi-generational family vacation. Stay tuned. All right, let's get into it. Heather, why don't you read Angela's question? I don't have the chat open, so give me one oh, second. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't automatically open for me. <laughs> okay. Angela writes, we are planning a three-generation family Disney cruise for 2023. I've never done a Disney cruise, so we are debating many things. A, do we do a newer ship so we can go to a, the new island or one of the older ships to Castaway Keys since my family haven't been there, but two in the party have done multiple Disney cruises. So it sounds like we have some first-time Disney cruisers and some veteran Disney cruisers. Mm -hmm. And then B, should we make those reservations now? I've only been on one cruise before, Celebrity Summit, and we have concierge level with Veranda, and I would love something similar on the Disney ship. C, Preferences around seven nights and probably the Caribbean. Yeah. So we're going to sort of, we'll answer those questions, but we're also going to talk sort of more generally about multi-generational family cruises. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but I get this question, the, these types of questions and families that are wanting to plan this type of trip all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like all the time. This has been, multi-generational Disney cruises has essentially been the bulk of my business for 13 years. Yeah. Um, this is what I do. It's what I live for. Um, first of all, I want to tackle the 2023 thing so that people aren't listening to this and thinking, wait a second, I can't even book late 2020. Hey, you cannot book for 23 yet. We know that. Hopefully Angela knows that if she doesn't, you cannot book for 2023 yet. At this point, sailings are only out through the end of May of 2022. Sailings are typically released approximately 18 months-ish in advance. So depending on when in 2023 she's thinking about, um, it's probably not going to be until sometime in late 21 or early 2022 that she's able to book that. Right. So we'll tackle that first. Yeah. That being said, though, get on a list from a travel agent mm -hmm. or something like that so that you know that the day that it comes out or as soon as possible because that's when the prices in general the prices are going to be the lowest yeah yeah um and the best stateroom availability if you want rooms connecting things like that yeah exactly so and the next thing she asks about is the newer ships and so that's a big <laughs> <laughs> We don't know when those are coming out anymore. <laughs> big mystery at this yeah. point. But according to Disney Cruise Line, by 2023, at least one ship, uh, like Wish, should be available. Should. Right. <laughs> big, bold, should. <laughs> We're not making promises. Right. Um, and, but there's a lot to debate between doing a brand new ship and you know, doing some of the classic or the dream, you know, like the magic class or the dream class ships. Um, what are you guys, what are your thoughts on that? Well, so, so first of all, we still don't know exactly the itinerary that the wish is going to do and right. whether or not it will include that new Island. Um, so that being said, let's just assume that the wish and the fantasy are cruising the pretty much the same itinerary. The fantasy is going to be number one less expensive right now mm -hmm. than the brand new ship because it's going to be um it's just going to be higher in demand because so many people want to see this new ship i love all four ships that disney has so i don't mm -hmm. think you can go wrong with any one of them um the depending on the ages of the 
Well, you've got Angela has two little ones, so you know the dream. Yeah, yeah, the dream of the fantasy might work out uh, better in terms of more "quote unquote" stuff to do for like the splash pads and stuff for the kids on the ship. Mm -hmm. But so that I might lean more toward the fantasy on that. But the wish is going to be overloaded with this stuff too. So I don't think you're going to go wrong with with either one of those if everything looks, you know, everything else being the same. Mm -hmm. Heather, what do you think? I think it's hard to say, right? Without any of the new ships being out, how do you compare them? We don't really Mm -hmm. know what all of the new ships are going to have. But what we can do is look at the dream, the fantasy, the magic, the wonder, um, because we know them and we love them. Um, I personally, I mean, I can't tell you what's going to work best for your family, but how I would tackle it is when those 2023 itineraries are out, Look at what appeals to you most. Maybe not so much the ship, but the destination. Do Have you been to this island before? Have you never been to this island? Does this date work better for you versus that date? And I think that will more or less kind of guide you because you're not going to have a bad time on any of the Disney ships. So it's more or less going to be the date and the itinerary that appeals to you. Yeah. I think Charlotte touched on something that was really important, though. And this is a thing that not... Especially if you're a new Disney cruiser, this is not something you're necessarily going to be aware of. But Charlotte was really right when she said when the wish comes out, like right now the fantasy is Disney's most expensive ship to cruise on. As soon as the wish comes out, that's going to change. And the price is going to drop on the older ships. Um, Probably significantly in some cases. And so you can get a little more bang for your buck on some of the alternate ships. And again, it depends on itinerary. It depends on what time of year you're going. It depends on a lot of different factors. But um, I mean, look, budget is a reality for pretty much anybody planning a trip. So um, definitely something to consider. Yeah. And I wouldn't um, put it, uh, Disney's not going to decrease their prices, (laughs) you know, but the the fantasy will be less expensive than the wish. That's, I, I care. I Look, I don't know. I'm not in accounting at Disney Cruise Line, but I can guarantee you <laughs> that it will be less expensive just yeah. based on the, the newness of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, don't discount five to seven nights on the Magic or Wonder when they have some of those, too. You know, if the Wonder still goes to Alaska, then the Magic very well um, could be in the Caribbean, could be in Europe. We don't know, but don't discount the smaller ships either. Mm-mm. No, yeah, magic yeah. to this day remains my favorite. I love the magic more than the dream yeah. and the fantasy. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, I like the magic and the fantasy. Those are my two favorites. Oh. Um, all right, so let's get into sort of the realities of planning a multi-generational vacation. And some of this is just sort of general. <laughs> like when you're dealing with multiple families and multiple budgets and multiple personalities, it gets tricky, right? So... Where do you think the first place that somebody who's planning this type of trip should start? Contact a travel planner, travel Ta-da! agent. <laughs> ding, 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 um, ding, ding. <laughs> and like I said earlier, do that now because yes. then when 2023 is released, you're going to know about it um, ahead of time. Like, I mean, most travel planners, I would, you know, I would email them and say, hey, Disney announced that it's coming out you know, let's look at your dates and let, here's some options. And then on the day that it's there, we're ready to go. Yeah. 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 I I mean, in every travel planner, I know all of us included have, you know, a notepad on our desk or an email or a file or a spreadsheet. Um, 
that we are, you know, we have a list of clients that are just waiting for things to open. Um, and the best thing that you can do is to get in on that list. Now, why I think using a travel planner is so important for a multi-generational trip in particular is because it gives you what it gives the entire family one point of contact to deal with. And in every family, at least in mine, no, every family, there's typically like one or two people who wind up doing the bulk of the organizing or the planning, or they're just sort of in charge. Everybody has those people in each family that are in charge, sometimes whether they want to be or not. <laughs> and juggling those personalities can be a lot. It can be stressful, particularly if one's family's budget is not the same or their priorities are not the same or their family situations are not the same. Travel agents can really be a huge source of neutrality <laughs> yeah. know, in the planning process. And so I just think it's really um, an important thing to have. And just in case we haven't said it enough on these podcasts, you don't pay anything for a travel agent's services. There are no extra fees. It's already baked into the price that you're getting from Disney Cruise Line, whether you book it directly with Disney Cruise Line or with a travel agent. So since you're paying for the services anyway, exactly, use them. <laughs> exactly. Yep. You're paying either way. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's a good thing to know, like if you want a veranda room and uh, sister wants an inside room, that's fine. You don't have to know what each other's paying. It's none of, you know, none of anybody else's business and we wouldn't share, you know, share that with everybody. So um, it's, it's just a good neutral way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had clients that have been like, okay, I'm okay sharing a room with her or like, or having connecting rooms, but do not put me in connecting rooms with them. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it gets a little petty sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. And then, so I could, you know, so then I can go back and say, Oh wait, sorry. There's not this connecting room available, but here's a room a few doors down, and then right, exactly. every, you know, I, I couldn't get you connecting, but I've got you close. Yeah. You know, yeah, or whatever. You know, <laughs> um, let somebody else <laughs> handle all of that. Um, but let's get into a little bit about why we love cruising in general for for families. Well, number one, you can have together time or alone time is you know, with your nuclear family and then together time with your extended family, kind of as much as you want. Mm -hmm. uh, you can spend all hours of the day together, do all your excursions together, find beach chairs or pool chairs right next to each other. Or you can just kind of see them on the ship and say, hey, what's going on? And then meet up at dinner. Yeah. Or don't want to I mean, have dinner with them? You don't even have to have dinner with them. We will, yeah. The we ship's don't. only so big, right? Like right. even if you don't have a ton of planned activities, you're still going to bump into them all the time. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But, you know, that's another thing. You know, if if you want to do this particular excursion and they don't, they don't have to. Nobody has to do it. It's just, you know, you do it what you want to do and you don't all have to gr agree on that particular thing. Yeah. So it's a really, really cool way to spend time together, but you're not on top of each other the whole time. Mm hmm. Let's everybody be flexible. I mean, there's so much to do on a cruise ship. I mean, there's so much to do anywhere you go, but on a cruise ship in particular, whether it's the destination, it's the excursions, it's, you know, the programming, the different activities, the shows, there's something for everybody. And so nobody has to feel guilty by saying, you know what, I really just feel like going to this cooking demonstration, I'll meet up with you later. Like there's something for everyone, no one's gonna be bored. And then you can all come together at dinner 
and just talk about your day, which is exciting because then you can see what everybody else did. Yeah. 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 So how far in advance do you think Angela or, you know, anybody who's contemplating this type of trip should plan? Like, let's just assume that, you know, itineraries are open. How far in advance do they really need to start planning? I mean, if you're dealing with a lot of people, you know, you say three generations, but what does that mean? Does that mean six people or does it mean 25? I think that if you're dealing with a lot of people, the earlier you can plan, the better, because you then have, you know, time to discuss which dates are going to work, which itineraries are available, and then you settle on one and then you have you know, more options in terms of stateroom categories that are open and not sold out. So yeah. the earlier, the better, really. Yeah, yeah that's I a big agree. one. Cat, staterooms, stateroom availability is a really important reason to book as far in advance as possible. Right. And, you know, especially if you do want, you know, if you've got four kids, then you need two rooms and you need connecting rooms, mm -hmm. then, you know, there things may be limited later on. But if you don't care as much where, where you are on the ship or you don't need connecting or, again, you don't want to be like all four or five rooms that you have in a row somewhere, then, you know, waiting is, waiting is fine. But, you, you know, if, if it's going to be a situation of the lowest price, then booking right away is going to be the, the key. Yeah. Let's talk about the connecting stateroom versus like stateroom altogether thing for a minute because I get this request a lot from people. And I think a lot of times people feel like they should want that or like that's a thing that's important. And oftentimes, particularly if, it, if, if it's not available or whatever and people can't get what they want, you know, they'll come back and they'll say, oh, you know what? It actually turned out not to be a big deal at all because, you know, it's, it's just a ship. They're, you know, they're not far away. They're a deck up, a deck down yeah. on the other side of the hall. Like, I saw them in the lobby. I saw them at dinner. I saw them at, in the lounge. I saw my kids, saw their cousins in the kids club. Like, it's, I mean, it's hard to avoid people on the ship if you want to. <laughs> like, it's, you know, like, it's actually maybe not as important to have the, you know, sort of rooms all in a line. Like, it's, you know, because I think people sometimes get hung up on that, or particularly when it comes to budget. You know, one person, usually the person who has the biggest budget, insists that everybody get veranda staterooms. And then that leaves somebody who maybe doesn't have the budget for a veranda stateroom feeling stuck and a little bit trapped and uncomfortable. And that's it's just not how you want to start off uh, that type of vacation. You don't want to yeah. start off that type thing with, you know, bad feelings, right? Right. <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, so my first, uh, the biggest advice I would say is, you know, if you can... Let, let go of that one. Let each family decide for themselves sort of where they want to be on the ship. You know? Yeah, I always wonder why, like ask yourself why you want those staterooms all in a row. Is it you, you know, you have small children that you need the connecting room so mom and dad can sleep over here and the kids can sleep there? Absolutely understandable. But I mean, is it the only place you're thinking that you're going to see each other? in your staterooms, like, is that it? Or are you going to be spending, like, I, th I think that in people's mind, being next to each other means, oh, we're gonna see each other all the time. It's the only way we're gonna be able to get in touch. Like, you don't even need to go to somebody's room anymore to leave a message saying, we're all meeting at the pool at 11 a.m. Now, Disney Cruise Line has a, an app where you can message each other within that, you know? So, mm -hmm. like, you don't even need to physically go to somebody's stateroom. So, it, 
it's not really essential unless you have those small children. Like, I also understand people, oh, my grandma and grandpa are going to watch the kids. And I mean, it's not like you're staying a mile away from each other. It's a cruise ship. The most yeah. you're going to have to do is take a three-minute stroll back to their room on the other side of the boat. So, you know, it's not essential. Yeah. I think it's yeah. it's important to, or it's important to prioritize who who really needs it for, like, all the reasons you just listed and who just has FOMO. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Now, I I personally have FOMO all the time, and I always want to know where people are and what they're doing in case I also want to do that, but I don't need to have a room <laughs> next to them. But I will say um, on the dream and the fantasy, and maybe the wish in the other ships, we don't know yet, but they have the um, balcony partition that will fold yeah, back so you can have one giant balcony if you have those rooms that are connecting so that is a nice perk so some you know that's a nice thing to do if you do get those connecting rooms yeah 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 um so i do want to point out that on our blog disneyparkprincess.com uh at the top you can go to disney cruise line um there are we have a whole series of blog posts about how to choose an itinerary how to choose a stateroom, how to choose a, you know, there's about, a, I don't know how many blog posts about Disney Cruise Line up there at this point, a lot. <laughs> um, but it literally starts from the very beginning, like, you know, how to choose what sailing you want to go on, how to choose what ship you want to go on, how to choose what, you know, stateroom you should, like all of it is up there already. So if you are planning a Disney cruise, whether it's multi-generational or otherwise, I definitely encourage you to check out um, those blog posts because I think they're really helpful and it's not just because I wrote them. Um, <laughs> Uh, but there's a ton, there's a ton of blog posts up there. So, um, all right. So we've talked about why we love multi-generational cruises. We've talked about, um, let's talk a little bit about itineraries since I just mentioned itineraries, which itineraries now Angela specifically said she wants to do the Caribbean and that's great. Highly recommended. Love a seven night cruise. What do you guys think? Is, is that the, you know, the best itinerary for a multi-generation? Like what would you guys recommend? I mean, it, it depends on your family and you and your likes and dislikes um like for me personally i want to go to on a mediterranean cruise you know like i love that but then also don't discount alaska that's often a bucket list destination so i think that's more of a we need to sit down as a big family here are the options we can do a bahamas we can do a caribbean we can go all over the world in a cruise there's really no place you can't cruise to what appeals to you what like what does the the group and then, okay, this is what the group wants. Well, X, Y, and Z fit within our travel dates. There's no itinerary to these two. Okay, so these two itineraries are out. It's more of a process of an elimination at that point. Um, yeah. Well, I would say, that, okay, as of right now, if you want Caribbean, because of the, the two ships that basically sail Caribbean year-round, you've got three or four nights on the Dream, seven nights on the Fantasy. Sometimes you have the magic and the wonder in there, depending on the time of year. And the magic might have some five-night sailings and things like that. But if you want seven nights in general, your choices are Eastern Caribbean or Western Caribbean. Uh, all the cruise ships are going to stop at Castaway Key if they're in the Caribbean. And, you know, maybe the new island by 2023. We don't know yet. So for me... You know, Western Caribbean goes to Mexico and usually Grand Cayman. Eastern Caribbean is more um, like Tortola, things like that. So it's just where you where you want to go. You can look at either one. So mm -hmm. I don't think and you can go. I don't think you can go wrong with either. Basically, there's no wrong answer. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and yeah, I, it's 
like, you know, you just said, is it a bucket list? Like, is this a bucket list thing? Like, are we celebrating grandpa's retirement or are we celebrating somebody's 50th birthday or are we celebrating, you know, like, is there, it, is this a trip that we're just taking as a family? Cause we love traveling together as a family or oftentimes there's some type of celebration behind yeah. it. Um, you know, like next year, 2022, my parents have their 50th wedding anniversary. I have my 25th wedding anniversary. My husband is turning 50 and my son is graduating from high school. I don't know what we're going to do to celebrate all of that. It's sure not going to be a cruise because I can't, I couldn't pay them to get on a ship. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to be doing something. We're going somewhere. Um, And I think that's oftentimes. So, you know, you might give a little more priority when choosing an itinerary to whosever celebration it is, you know, if it's grandpa's retirement, grandpa's always wanted to go to Alaska. Guess what? (laughs) Go to Alaska. Yeah. Go to Alaska. Yeah. Um, But you cannot go wrong. I would say though, resist the urge to book like a three night. I was literally just about to say that. Don't, please don't do that. (laughs) It's just, here's, okay, here's our reasoning why. You may think, oh, well, it's, it's cheaper because it's only three nights and, you know, yeah, it's only three nights, so shorter. It's so short. Like the difference in three nights and four nights, it's, it's more than a day on when you're on a ship. It just feels so tight like you don't have that day at sea it it feels so different to me than the uh than the four nights do and yeah you're gonna go to Nassau and you're gonna go to Castaway Key but really this the sea day is what it's all about on Mm -hmm. on those shorter itineraries well on the longer ones too but really on that shorter itinerary you really really need that so I would say four night minimum uh Five nights to seven is is ideal. Yeah, I, I almost think even the four for a multifamily vacation because, yeah, you know, you're trying to combine all doing all the stuff in the cruise with spending some family time together too. I really would shoot for a week. Yeah, but yeah, four night is the absolute minimum. Just don't just don't book the three night, please. Just promise us. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about like this is something that I keep coming back to. I keep reading this in her question. She said. When she was on the celebrity cruise, she had concierge level with Veranda and would love something similar on the ship, on the Disney ship. So, <laughs> good luck because yeah, we have we've said this many times. Disney Cruise Line is very very lacking in that suite slash lower concierge uh, yeah. category. Kind of awful at it. I mean, yeah. the wish might be different, but yeah, let's be honest, they're they're not. It's bad. Yeah, the like <laughs> it's uh, not that the concierge level is bad. I mean, I I think their concierge level is is fun. What they charge for though, compared to what other you know, a how many they have, and b the astronomical rates they charge for it compared and to also other cruise the, lines. The, the type of staterooms as well. Like yeah. when you're thinking concierge level, you know, you want. I mean, yes, standard staterooms, but then suites also, and and like you said, the pricing for them. It's right. just. It's yeah. just not on par with the rest of yeah. the the industry. Yeah. And, I mean, like, if you look at uh, NCL, Celebrity, Royal Caribbean, they have a junior suite or a mini suite. They may call it something different. But they have so many different levels of suites. Mm-hmm. And Disney Cruise Line just doesn't. And, I mean, at the very least, they need, like, a junior suite. Yeah, they um, need something. Yeah. Uh, to give also, some, they need, maybe to, some they need to. Yeah close the gap in between the standard state rooms and the concierge state rooms. It yeah. is an astronomical jump mm-hmm. right, from a category four to 
any of the suite or concierge categories. It's because people will pay it. And so they right. can get away with it. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, just comparing Disney Cruise Line to the industry in general, they're astronomically priced. And sure, yeah. you get what you pay for. But at the same time, now a lot of the other cruise lines are coming out with way better kids programming and, and, you know, private islands and all of that, where they're kind of on par with Disney now and they're still not charging as much. So I'm wondering, Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful this is probably not going to happen, but I'm hoping that once they have, you know, their, their seven ships that the the pricing starts to come down because now they have a bigger fleet and they have more berths that people can go. So maybe it's not such so much of a demand, you know what I mean? So hopefully the pricing will come down. I hope so. The other thing I do just want to mention about the way, pretty much any cruise line, but in particular Disney handles concierge is that it can get complicated on a multi-generational family trip if some people have concierge and some people don't. Mm-hmm. The yes. only big perk to it is that hopefully what that would mean is that if somebody does have concierge that they would be able to, if, they, if you wanted a cabana on Castaway Key, sometimes concierge is the only way, especially to get the big family cabanas. Right. If you want one of those, somebody better be booked in concierge because other than that, it's not happening. (laughs) It's very difficult to get a cabana, particularly the big ones, without being concierge. But it's not like, oh, if one of us books, we're all going to be able to come in and out of the lounge or take advantage of the person. No. Right. (laughs) It is only the person, the family who is booked in the concierge stateroom that would be able to take advantage of the other concierge level perks. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the celebrity... I don't know exactly what concierge level you had, but they have several different C1, C2, C3, and then, you know, other suites and stuff. So you get smaller perks, even with just like their lower level of the concierge. So you still get some perks with that. And Disney just doesn't have that. So um, I think what you probably would like is a uh, deluxe family stateroom with veranda and that family wording in there, no matter what you get, you want the, that's a bigger stateroom. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just so nice to have that extra five feet of, <laughs> of room in there. Um, even with three of us, one time we had a family veranda and it was just, there was an extra cabinet on the other side of the desk mm-hmm. that we could unpack into. You know, there's just the, we didn't need the bedding, but you know, just a little bit more space is, is really key on these. So I would definitely say, if you want a veranda, do that. Make sure that word family is in there. Or if yeah. you want to, if, if it's ocean view, if some people want ocean view, make sure that word family is in there because it's going to be a bigger room. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, did we, anything else that we think is super important for them to know or to consider or? I think that basically does it. Yeah. Sounds, I, can we go with you? Because it sounds like a really <laughs> yeah, good right? <laughs> I mean, what's one more stateroom at yeah. this point? We honorary <laughs> Lombardi's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that does it for episode 121 of the Disney Park Princess podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, be sure to check out our blog at DisneyParkPrincess.com. We have a new blog up this week about signature dining at Walt Disney World. If you listen to the podcast, you know it was a topic we did just a few weeks ago. There's now a blog post to go with it. Uh, and then coming up next on our Patreon Extra, we are going to be talking about what are we obsessed with right now, whether it's on Netflix or what are we reading, what are we watching on TV. Um, I have something that I am obsessed with, and it is not particularly Disney. I just want to – I'm going to put this in a warning so that if I talk about it during the Patreon, I'm, <laughs> I'm basically putting a trigger warning on our Patreon episode because um, I want to talk about an HBO documentary that 
I've just finished. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to watch it. I really want to watch it too. So. Um, we'll but it's that. a little bit dark. So if your kids are listening, just maybe listen to Patreon extra later. Okay. Um, be sure to check out our Instagram, check out our Facebook group. Um, and if you are a Patreon supporter, don't forget to join our private Patreon Facebook group. We have a general Facebook group and a private Patreon Facebook group. Um, so make sure that you have joined one or both of them. You can go to patreon.com slash Disney Park Princess to help support this podcast. There are also many, many free things that you can do to help support us. Go to iTunes, rate, review, share, post, like our posts, engage with our posts, answer questions, um, comment on things. Those are all absolutely free things that you can do that are actually really, really, really super helpful to us and help get the word out about our website and our podcast. So thank you so much. All right, that's it, guys. We will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.